2: By the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org/care to be great.
0: All right,
2: here we are. Uh, welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Uh, again, this is we got, We got to thank our sponsors, Jersey Mike's Subs. Go get a Jersey Mike's. Uh, they're constantly doing, like today I know, 100% of proceeds from today's sales go to help the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And they're constantly doing things to help the local community. And they're even helping our little show. So go support Jersey Mike's. Uh, I want to talk about our first guest, our only guest today, is Jeff Levy. So for me, growing up in Utah, when I first became a goaltender, the only thing I heard about was Jeff Levy. Well, there was Jeff Levy, and then there was Jeff Tavy. Huh. So, uh, so Jeff, uh, honestly, like, one of my first years of playing hockey, uh, one of the highlights was going to Jeff Levy Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you're, you're a couple years older than me. You don't look like it now. Now, now I'm the one that looks old. But uh, uh, tell me a little bit about, like, growing up in Utah. Where, when did you even start playing, and where were you playing at?
1: Uh, So I grew up in Salt Lake, uh, right up the road, a mile from the Hygieia facility, which was in Sugar House. It's no longer there. There's now a uh, residence extended stay or something like that. And uh, uh, they had a a rink there and it got knocked down. But I started with the uh, the neighbor, the neighbor's backyard. They froze over their backyard and it was much colder for some reason back uh, when I was a kid and we started skating in their backyard with them and as a little brother you always get put in the net right and the, the older the neighbor kids were older as well so i ended up starting with the goal pads on and um i had a, 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 a some guys in the neighborhood who were also i looked up to as goalies roger ruge yeah. was one of them uh, he ended up going to the same high school highland high school in that area and it, it worked out over the years he was a senior uh, the the year before I came in as a freshman, so I was able to uh, step right in and play um, right after he graduated high school. But that's where I spent my youth hockey. Played for um, Team Utah, the travel team, as well as in the house league back then. So, so I played a lot of hockey. The,
2: who were the coaches back then? Who who was coaching you like on uh, on the, the Team Utah? Uh
1: Buzz Burns. Oh yeah, and my 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 dad. Spent a lot of years behind the bench, uh, coaching us. Um, we had a, a number of travel team coaches that were in and out, but uh, you know, so many years ago, they slipped. My, <laughs> their names slipped my mind. It was a long time ago. Like you said, I'm old. I'm old school Utah hockey here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to know because I knew the Buzz Burns coach, you and I know your dad coached. But Buzz is, and I got to have Buzz on the show because his is a name that comes up all the time. He seemed to do a lot of uh, good things for a lot of people in this market. Growing up, by chance, do you remember whose yard it was that you were skating in?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was the Mellings. It was uh, George and Nancy Melling. Um, Tom Melling was their son, and yep. he was also older. Uh, but uh, they they did it for a number of years, and we were they were featured in the Deseret News, a uh, big article on the, what they were doing. And I don't know uh, if others were doing it. Back then, but uh, they they had the spotlight on them, and my picture made the paper. And I, I have that picture frame of me and my goalie pads on, and the pads are on the the wrong legs, and nice. I have the I have the baseball glove, you know, and I have all the hand me down equipment. Um, That's awesome. So I have I have that five year old picture framed. Um, was that was my start. Yeah, You'll have to my... send
2: me that picture. We'll put it up on the Utah Park Report page. Okay. That'd, be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, all right, was, so tell, tell me a little it was... bit now nowadays if you play Utah high school hockey, a lot of people figure that you have missed your boat, right? You've missed the opportunity to get out of Utah and go play in those triple a or whatever. But here, that was basically what we had at the time, right? So you're playing for Highland high school. And how do you get out of here? Who, how does this happen?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how I got the bug, but I wanted, I wanted to play at a higher level. I think it was occasionally I'd, I'd f- find a, uh, um, uh, a game on, on TV, a uh, uh, Wisconsin hockey game or a college hockey game. And I thought, I, you know, I'd like to try that. I'd like to try my luck and get uh, moving on. Um, so my junior year high school, I looked to, uh, go to the East coast and play prep school and, um, I was, uh, I, I didn't have the, the top grades, but I got into a small prep school called St. George's it was in uh, Rhode Island. And so I registered and all the big schools, all the Avon old farms and All those big name schools, hockey schools, prep schools that could move kids on. They I never I didn't get in. I wasn't uh I didn't have either the the hockey uh backing from a coach or whatever. They didn't know about me, they didn't know if I had ability, and let alone my grades were average. So I ended up signing up to go to this small prep school and in preparation, I went to Brainerd, uh Minnesota hockey schools in Brainerd, Minnesota for the whole summer. Signed up for the whole summer. And um over the course of that summer uh, junior A Rochester Mustangs in Rochester, Minnesota, uh caught I caught their eye with my work ethic and my ability and they brought me on as a young guy to be their third string goaltender as a senior in high school and I worked hard and I played nine games that first season there. I opted out of going to uh prep school my senior year because I thought this was a better opportunity for my hockey, which it turned out to be. And the the following season In the USHL, I was a starting goaltender, had that role secured. Um, And then the next year, I just rolled with it, and we had a great team and had great success.
2: Yeah, so that's one of the things that I think people need to understand, too, is that – and and you're a perfect example, and it seems like most of the Utah players that get out of here – and I know for me, like – and I joke around about it, but my best ability was my availability. Like, I was willing to be there every day. I was willing to put in the work. I never had the talent. I didn't have the, the, you know, I didn't start till I was 15 years old. So I didn't have any backing at all. But yeah. for most of the Utah players that get out, it's, it's important for me to hear that story that, that you just said, is that, you know, you're willing to put in the work and oh. you were willing to take that, that third position and then work your way up from that. A lot of people now, and honestly, I think it's the parents, because they'll see, oh, I'm not going to let my kid be the third guy. I'm going to send him to a lower league, or, you know, they've got so many junior A minus leagues now. Like <laughs> I'd rather pay ten grand to have my kid be the starter than have my kid go to the USHL or whatever to and be a third guy and work his way in. But well, that's a, it's,
1: a, it's a tough balance, right? It is. It's difficult. Um, Division one ho- uh, college hockey coaches have, have said to me, as a goaltender, you got to be playing. So that's not the role I took. That's not the route I took. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's an opinion, uh, what you think is going to be best for your own career and development. You do have to play and develop, uh, as a goaltender, but you do have to be available. Um, it's a tough call. It no. really is. I think, uh, game experience, it, uh, is a, it means a lot. Um, eventually, I think in my career, uh, having grown up in Utah where we played only six months out of the year, if that, Playing a limited amount of games, 20 to 30 games with travel, hockey, and everything over the course of the winter. Um, the lack of experience compared to other areas of our country and Canada um, caught up to me uh, eventually in my career, but I had a good run. Um, that decision was right for me versus going to prep school. Um, I just, he got to kind of be lucky to succeed as well in the sport because I think. There are a lot of players out there that are very, very, very good. that go undiscovered, and their careers just end. Right. It's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. yeah. For me, I,
1: for me, I was lucky.
2: Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that look. So you go from – you're playing in the USHL with Rochester, and then you know you take over the starting role, and, and then obviously you're doing well in the USHL, which at the time, um, that was it. I mean, for Junior A Hockey, that legitimately for US-born players – that was it. We had the USHL. We didn't have all these other options called Junior A, right? Junior B, Junior C, or whatever. But yeah. you're killing it at the top league, and then you end up going to college.
1: Yeah. So uh, I had a good. I was on a good team. That always helps as a goaltender, right? You always win more games. You have better statistics. You have better defense in front of you. You have goal support, so you win more hockey games. So you look better on paper. But regardless, I mean, I had to win the spot from the guy next to me that also wanted to win the spot and. Um, so my, that first year in my nine games, I think I was seven, one, and one, I, I, and I beat some top and lower level teams in, in the standings, but, uh, the following season I battled for that top starting goaltending spot. Um, we had a good returning team. We had a lot of players get division one scholarships that season. Uh, we ended up winning the national championship in the USHL. Uh, they did have the null back then, the NHL. Um, it wasn't quite what it is today, right. but uh, in, the, in the national uh, tournament, three teams from the USHL then played against three teams from the, the NOL. It was a six-team playoff for the national championship. We ended up winning the national championship. Um, we beat a Compuware team that was like 53-0 and at the time, but they were playing in a league that wasn't quite the USHL. Um, so uh, that was a great season for me. Had a lot of good success, had a good team in front of me. Um, Must have gotten noticed somewhere along the way. uh, Ended up going to the University of New Hampshire on a hockey scholarship. And um, in that offseason prior to going to UNH, um, I was picked up by the Minnesota North Stars in the seventh round. So, uh, again, I continued to go back to Brainerd to train because that's where I kind of caught my first break. And it was a good environment to train. Um, but the guys who ran that, that Brainerd Hockey School were also the scouting staff staff for the North Stars. So um, I continued to to work hard, and they saw that and noticed that and thought I'd be a good pro prospect. So got uh, drafted prior to heading to, to college.
2: So was that, was it Kevin Constantine? Is that who was running it mm-hmm. back then?
1: He was, and he was also the coach of the the Rochester Mustangs and the USHL.
2: Okay, all right, all right. I did not realize that.
1: Yeah. Uh, The year I ended up going to Rochester, he had left and taken a pro coaching job. So he turned it over to uh, Coach Mark Hoffman, who did a nice job with us, but he also inherited uh, (laughs) (laughs) a really good team that Constantine had put together. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Constantine's underrated, and and his name comes up a lot. He really helped me get out of Utah. He also helped Jordan Parisi, who's usually the co-host of the show, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of two co hosts, Gary uh, Michaels, is not here today, also. But it's funny how often Kevin's name comes up as far as helping goalies. Which sure. Is not yeah. really, you know, Kevin was kind of mean to goalies. <laughs> you know, if you played for him, he was. I don't know if he was
1: mean. I'm uh, nice to any of his players. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Got was,
1: it, I got scared to death though. of that guy. Oh, my heck. To skate on the same ice as him was, uh, was a little stressful. I mean, he, yeah. he probably went through more sticks than. A player didn't see them.
2: Okay, so did he, he was throwing them into the rafters or he was just breaking them?
1: Uh, yeah, I, as far as I could see, he was just breaking them. Okay. Yeah, not on players, mostly on the boards. or the. Whatever.
2: Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, right no, I, no, I, no, no, I was no. telling the story just the other day of how um, my opportunity of playing with Kevin, we learned to keep an extra one of his sticks nearby because every once in a while he'd lose his mind and mm. he'd throw his stick into the rafters. And then you had to hand him a stick right away, or he's going to be angry that he didn't have a stick or couldn't get his stick. So if you wanted to not get back skated, we had another stick handy. And then that became a current theme that I, I learned with my coach in junior college and then Sean Thorson, who was my coach at uh, when I was at Weaver State. I just realized all these coaches had the same mentality of losing their mind when somebody would blow a drill, throwing their stick into their rafters, and then getting mad that they didn't have their stick. So you either had to have somebody... In the rafters, that could hurry and grab that stick, or just have one of their like a stick that they could use close.
1: Yeah, I was fortunate. I didn't. I, I didn't play for coaches like that too, too much along the way. I mean, I had the co- occasional coach that would take a slap shot and at a, at a player because they screwed it up. But <laughs> it, was, it was a rare thing. I, I I I enjoyed playing for for players, coaches uh, more so. Uh, but I was uh, <clears throat> as a goaltender, I was pretty self motivated and tried to fly under the coach's radar. A lot and just you know
2: right work hard right so tell me about that draft day like did you know you were going to get drafted
1: oh that's funny uh so i growing up uh, i was a very uneducated hockey guy uh you know i just i enjoyed it i like to go out there and uh compete and try to stop the the best players coming down on the ice uh in practice and and in games but we didn't have the internet then uh we didn't uh, have the the t- TV coverage and all the information we didn't have then. So I, the draft didn't mean much to me. Uh, so when I was back in Minnesota, that's when, that's when I, the draft took place in the summer and it really didn't mean much to me. And, you know, I heard oh the draft, the draft, and there were players there that were hopefuls, a couple, top couple of rounds, but I had no intention, no idea. I was going to potentially be drafted at all. And, uh, and I just went about my business on a normal day of, of camp. And you go do your dryland training, and you go to the rink, and you go to the the cabin, and you get your lunch, and you get your peanut butter sandwich. And um, in the middle of the middle of the day, uh, uh, the uh, Chuck Grillo's wife, who was run the, ran the camp more or less um, in the cafeteria, she came up to me and said, "Hey, by the way, uh, you got drafted in the seventh round by the North Stars today." And <laughs> Wow. As an uneducated guy, I was just like, Oh, okay. Uh, that's probably pretty cool.
0: Don't oh know what gosh. that
1: means. I really don't know. I mean, that's neat. Maybe, you know, that's a, a great thing, I, I guess. So, I mean, <laughs> eventually, you know, they watch, watch out for you and they hear their property and it, and, and, and it can evolve into, into quite a bit. So, um, I went along. I just went on with my business. It didn't mean too much to me. It was cool. It's a, it's a nice thing to look back and say, kind of bragging rights. You know, I got picked up in the NHL draft.
2: Yeah, it's um, huge bragging been, rights. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Eventually, I signed with them because I had a pretty good college career too, yeah. and they and, and I was next in line for uh, a, a spot that they needed another goaltender in their in their organization. So uh, they took took advantage of having drafted me. Um, my pro career probably didn't. Uh, work out to to be as good as they had hoped, but um, I don't know. My goal, uh, like I said, I I didn't have the experience. I don't think to to be a good pro hockey player uh, growing up in the environment I did at the time. So it's, I think now to
2: say that because now you're a guy that had USHL games, you're a guy that had college games. Typically, yes. that's those are the things that you need. Or in in theory that's what you need. do you think you like being in Utah, you lost a foundation that you should have had later?
1: Absolutely. And 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 what I've done with my son, as you know, my son's a nineteen year old goaltender who's headed down the path of a junior hockey right now. Um, and what I've done with him along the years is I've I've learned from how I could have made myself a better pro player or given myself a better opportunity to, to further my career and the two things fundamentals in hockey and goaltending and so i've tried to harp on him with good fundamentals and coaching and and development of his fundamentals as well as experience so he's gone and played triple a hockey over in colorado the last five out of six seasons ended up playing 40 to 50 games a a season so he won't have the obstacle that i thought that shortened my career Mm -hmm. i've kind of made sure that he's going to have the experience. Um, When I say that, yeah, I did have USHL experience and college hockey experience. But I went from my junior year of hockey in Utah, playing probably 15, 20 games a season, six months out of the year, to three years later, signing with an NHL hockey team and playing with the best players in the world at training camp and in the minor leagues. So it was a pretty quick, drastic transition and jump. which I wasn't quite ready for. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I get that. With that uh, being said, Jay, I mean, when you have a great college hockey career and they come to you and say, hey, sign a contract and play," we'll pay you money to play pro hockey, you're not going to say, no thanks, I'm not ready. Right,
2: Right. you're going to give it all you got. I get it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) where do I sign?
2: I want to talk to you about that uh, and I want to talk to you about your pro career, but I think we're leaving out a big part and that was uh, like you were part of the Olympic trial. You got to travel yeah. for Team USA for the Olympics, right?
1: I did, yeah. You sure. were the,
2: like, so from my standpoint here as a Utah guy, right, um, I think this was – I can't remember what year it was, but it's funny because I'm, I live in the house that I grew up – the only house that I knew that we could watch college hockey was uh, Terry Warner. I don't know if you remember Terry, but I ended up buying okay. his parents' house. So I live in, in this house where we used to come over here and be able to watch you play college and listen to them talk about Jeff Levy, the next Olympic goaltender, and huh. how – I can't – who was – there was, there were three of you yeah, really yeah. competing for, for the start. It was, uh,
1: it was uh, Rob Dunham uh, and, and – oh, who's the other guy? Yeah, Was it Garstone? Garstone. No. They're both Mike, from – So Dunham Garst, no? Mike Dunham and Garstone? Mike them, excuse me. Mike yeah. Dunham and Garst, no. That's what Both I from the University of Maine. It yeah. It's crazy that they could have both those goaltenders of that caliber at the same school.
2: With Paul Korea and and
1: they split time.
2: Yeah, well, I
1: don't know how you would think Sean, one of them would that, just do The like, head coach, Eesh.
2: the head coach Sean Walsh, got in a lot of trouble because he did a lot of, you know, about all that, right? The,
1: the, having having have them both there and there.
2: Well, he bent some rules to get all <laughs> to get those players there. I, I was I was able to play with a lot of those guys and another goaltender named Blair Allison, mm-hmm. who uh, was in the mix there at Maine and took over after Gar Snow left, but. Yeah, that's how, is that they didn't follow all the NCAA rules. And later, uh, Sean Walsh got fired from coaching Maine because he broke all the NCAA rules after he won, what, like back-to-back national championships? Yeah, they but were good. Ten guys in the NHL, Paul Correa, both those goalies played amazing. But, I mean, so that's, that's tough competition. Those are two All-American goaltenders. Yeah. that were at the top of their game and went on to have pretty good NHL careers.
1: They did. And that's, that's a little frustrating for me because I would compete with them and I would beat them in college. Uh, we'd, we'd battle with Maine at UNH. But uh, um, regarding your, your comment about the Olympics, they went on to become the Olympic goaltenders. Um, uh, my sophomore year, I'd signed with the North Stars, and I played one year in the organization. And the following year, the year the Olympics came up, and I went to the trials. And ended up making the team. Um, that was the first year that uh, they were going to use. Uh, the last year, they're going to use amateur players before they went to the dream team. And they wanted to duplicate what they did in 1980 where they had the pre-Olympic tour for six months oh, yeah. and have the team practice and play together. So they were going to carry three goaltenders. And I ended up making the team and uh, as a third goaltender. And eventually, a month or two into that, Pre Olympic tour, they they figured out they didn't they weren't playing enough games for all three of us to, to play, um, so uh, they they asked if the North Stars after they had lo- loaned me to the Olympic team if they would take me back uh, for the season, but they still wanted me to go over to the Olympics and um, and they were they were a little disgruntled about you know we loaned him to you in good faith, but uh, long story short they said you know what we'll take him back but no we're not going to have him go over to the Olympics and sit in the stands for three weeks and not develop. And so unfortunately it didn't work out that I w- walked in the o- Olympic games and oh, man. wasn't on that team, but uh, I had a great experience for a couple months traveling with the team and <laughs> Hank jokes. He can't believe I, I saved a few things from, from that experience. I had a, uh, a track suit, all blue, <laughs> uh, kind of silky uh, uh, saved it for years and years and years. And I just got tired of hauling it around eventually I gave it to the desert industries. And, uh, to this day, Hank wants to strangle me. My son wants to strangle me for doing that where he would love loved to have had that or seen that at this point in time. But yeah, we geez. joke that there's somebody, uh, walking around wearing that, yeah. uh, acting as an Olympian or whatever, but it's a funny story, but
2: oh man, That's- it was a good
1: experience nonetheless. I mean, it's just another bump in the road of hockey and development and bouncing around.
2: So tell us about Jeff Levy day. How did that come about? What do you remember <laughs> from that?
1: So Jeff Levy Day is, as, as you re- referred to that right off the bat here with our chat. That was uh, at the the old Delta Center downtown. Um, that was when uh, the IHL was still around. Uh, the IHL uh, was on the east uh, west coast, right? And the AHL is on the east coast, and they were both farm teams to the NHL. I was playing for uh, the North Stars farm team in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at the time in the IHL, and we came to town to play against. There were the Grizzlies in?
2: No, they were Golden Eagles still.
1: Golden Eagles still? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a nice honor. Um, we played a two-game uh, weekend against them, and uh, they honored me one, one evening uh, when I got the start. Uh, they asked, I think, our, our coach what, what the rotation would be with our goaltenders, and it was early on in the season in my first year as a pro, and uh, Salt Lake <laughs> honored me with they called it Jeff Levy night let all the amateur hockey players in to watch the game for free. And um, they gave me a nice presentation plaque for, for what what I had done or had accomplished as a Utah hockey player, having grown up here as an amateur hockey player. It was really nice honor. It was spectacular. And um, it was great. I, I played really well. I played hard and we ended up winning that game. So it was a wonderful experience and, and evening for me to have that uh, notoriety and presentation
2: No, uh, i bet that just had to be amazing i was there i was one of the youth that got in free or whatever and i just it was so cool and it was so cool for all of us as as local people um i think that was like my second or third year playing i didn't start till i started with murray high that was my first yeah. team i ever played for and so for us uh, it it didn't ever register for me like that you know that there was that opportunity, but for other guys on my team that had grown up playing here to mm-hmm. go and watch one of their own. And we we're all such f- huge fans of yours and everybody's afraid of your brother. Your brother would kill, like just your brother's <laughs> a linebacker and just, just, I just remember watching him lay guys out. He actually punched me a few times one time when I was in net one time.
1: Oh, that's funny. Um, I don't doubt that he was a, he was an all state football player. Yeah. and also could skate.
2: Yeah. So. he was, And he was awesome. Like it was awesome. He was mean. But, yeah. And he was me. And what I I remember one time I st- stacked my pads back when we did that, yeah. and I stacked him, and he was still standing there. And I kind of pushed him with my feet, and he fell over me. And then he just pummeled oh. me while he was on top
1: of <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, yeah, one of those where you accidentally fall and punch the guy yeah. in the head. No, and I'm like, okay,
2: that was a mistake on my part. I should not <laughs> let that guy fall on top of me. I learned that lesson. But for all of us to see somebody go through and to go to, go to Jeff Levy night at the game was just—it was huge. I can't. I mean, it, it was big for me, but I can't imagine what it was like for other people that went, hey, I have a shot at this because if I played with that guy. and yeah. You know, because like,
1: – And he's not that good at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's
1: not what I'm saying at right. all. Well, no, no, think, but they all say I scored on him.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's true too. You get that a lot. But it, it's just big. And I don't know if you realize the impact you probably had on this market just by doing what you did and having the work ethic and making it as far as you did. Yeah, well, well that that's night, yeah, that that was, It was a nice honor. People.
1: It was a nice honor. It really was. I wish I could have continued on to have a a, a stellar professional career. Um, I had some ups and downs as a pro. Um, I continued to work hard and enjoy the game, but uh, I played I played a lot of minor league hockey over the years. Uh, I played out my three years with the Minnesota North Stars organization, and I got out of the sport because I was a little frustrated and I wasn't going to resign at that level. Um, got out of the sport for five years, Jay. And then I was like uh, tired of working. So I thought, what can I do now? Went back. I had a buddy who was uh, in El Paso at the time. And I went back and played for another five years of pro hockey, just riding bus. El Paso for two years, Rio Grande for two years. And I was in Jacksonville, Florida for a couple months of a season before I started that back up. But, uh, you know, hockey has been awesome for me. And um, it was a good run. You know, i played a lot of competitive hockey and I put off work for a long time to be able to play hockey and ride a bus. Um, It was fun. When I went back uh, uh, it was on my terms and I played better than I, I had as, as a pro initially. And I can say to myself, Hey, if I had played like that uh, through my three years of under contract with the North stars, I would have maybe continued my pro career at that level or higher.
0: So um, there's there's a
2: mindset it, uh, that changes a little bit when you come back, right? Like you, yeah. you kind of, I, I think. And granted, my career has not actually been a real career. My career has been fake and and just happenstance and being in the right place at the right time. But I noticed that once I became a career fireman, yeah. and I was still getting calls to go sit the bench or whatever, play that RHI, which I know you you also played. I think you took my spot actually. I won't bring that up. But,
1: <laughs> Did I? But, um, Sorry, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. yeah,
2: I was there the year before that, but and, and they didn't invite me back. They figured they had their quota of Utah goalies, but uh, <laughs> they it's funny when you have the mindset, and that's the one thing I've tried to instill in most of the kids that I, that I get to coach is that uh, the first time you're going through it, it's such a overwhelming tidal wave of everything going on that, like you're in this river. And you're just trying to stay afloat, and you're trying to keep you're trying to stay on the team. And then if you can switch that mindset, where you're just like, "This is just a good time." And sure, yeah. like, it, it, it's it's hard to instill. It's almost, and some people will take it the wrong way. It's almost like, "Look, I'm just here to play hockey. I don't care about as much about everything else in the world. The, the wins and losses aren't going to break me. As long as I'm here playing my hardest and ultimately having fun."
1: That's right. That's that's when I was most successful as well. Uh, When I left Utah, and I had no idea was this a good direction for me? Was this a good team for me? I I I didn't know. I had no idea. Nor did I care. I was like, I just want to go out and stop that guy coming down here and throw a nice save and mix it in, make frustrate that kid that has the puck that is trying to score. And I didn't know what level he was playing at or where he, he was going. But I just enjoyed trying to stop the puck, and I was competitive and athletic. And it led to a few more things down the road. And uh, and when you start thinking about it too much, it's like, oh, I have to play well tonight or you know people are going to be watching. That's when you don't, that's when it's too much pressure, too much stress. Yeah. And you, you you don't rise to the occasion.
2: It's like uh, being a goaltender is a lot like golfing every day. Like shot to shot, like you can mess it up if you think about it too much. If you just yeah. go out there and just have fun with it and yeah. don't think yeah. about it and just enjoy the moment. Yeah. yeah. That's so, but that said,
1: there's there's preparation that goes into in, in, into success as well.
2: So, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like you have to be – it's not fun if you're not prepared to do it. Right. But – Yeah. So now, what are you, 51?
1: Uh, 50. Thank you.
2: 50. 50. <laughs> I, was Same just, thing. I know you're three <laughs> years older than me. So as as a 50-year-old, and now you have a 19-year-old, what are your keys of advice to all the other 19- or 14-year-old goalies in this market? What What's – Jeff Levy's uh, advice, career advice.
1: It's, you know, it's uh, it, it varies, Jay. I, I've coached in the uh, Junior Grizzlies organization for the last, I took this year off from coaching, but five previous seasons, I coached, I was their goalie director, goalie coach for all the age, ages from 10 to uh, 16 during that time. So I coached a lot of goalies, and uh, it was a double-A level. It wasn't a triple-A level but my son was a triple A player. Um, and every single one of them has a different drive level, a different motivation level, a different reason they're there, a different skill level, interest level. Um, so I try to make it fun for all of them. And I think if if it's fun for all of them, um, they're going to get better. Uh, so, uh, have fun with it. That's when I had success. Uh, I set up drills, which I thought would make them better goalies. I, tried to teach and explain why they were doing things and what they could work on and improve on. And I didn't push anybody or yell at anyone that much. But if it was fun for them, they were going to push themselves as as far and hard as they wanted to. Um, And a lot of them have got a lot lot better and a lot better goaltenders and have had fun over the years. Uh, If you're talking about goaltenders that are going on to the next level, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, It's a challenge uh, coming from this market.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you use the word fun. I, I want to tell you that uh, I was basically fired from an organization because my number one goal was for the kids to have fun. That being said, hmm. I also physically prepared them. Hmm. Like they, I thought they had the right mindset for games. We had more than a winning record. Uh, we put, you know, I taught them everything. I had them doing everything from yoga to weights to running to everything they yeah. could do to be conditioned and prepared for the game. The way I'd seen over 20 years of being – 30 years of being a goalie, 20 years of being in a professional league as an e-bug and seeing some of the best coaches in the history of hockey, like Kevin Constantine and Jean-Paul Parisi and learning from them. And Jean-Paul always taught fun. Yeah. You know, the, guy was, the guy was fun. Yeah. He was just a fun person. And for, for me to find out after one of the seasons that one of the, one of the chief complaints from the parents was that I emphasized fun too much. And they uh-huh. they were paying too much money for their kids to go out and have fun, and I thought, man, you're just missing the boat. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said that because, at the end of the day, it's a game, and yes, you, you have to put in work, and work sucks, but you can make it fun. Like you can, you can make the drills fun, you can make practice fun, you can set up different challenges that are fun for yourself and make you a better goaltender for sure. You can,
1: yeah, yeah. So some goaltenders don't have that in them though, right? Some goaltenders are just all business out there, and are all compete super high level compete? and You got to recognize that too. And but uh, I don't. I, I think you you, you set up uh, set set goaltenders up with drills that are going to make them better. Um, they all have different levels of compete and want to have fun and have it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, maybe that goaltender was super high compete level that never smiles or breaks his stick over the crossbar. Maybe that's fun for him.
2: Yeah. And that's so. Jordan Parise. Jordan Parise never had fun. Right. He, he wanted to be he wanted to beat everybody else on the ice. He didn't want to get scored on in warm-ups. He didn't want to get scored on in practice. He, he. We've talked about it several times on the show. He just had a different mindset, and at the end, he thinks that mindset, because he was also very cocky, and he didn't want to be a backup, and he didn't want to share ice time with other guys. Right. And in the end, when you're backing up a guy like Martin Brodeur or Marc-Andre Fleury, and the coaches aren't giving you your ice time, and you're telling them you deserve ice time, that kind of – that competes good, but it also can get you traded real quick, too. To yeah. They find a guy that'll, that'll be the right backup. Um, then one of the other things I wanted to, just to touch on is that in one of my camps, I, I had Elliot Hogue, who I was kind of trying to mention to you earlier. He's a goalie mm-hmm. coach in, uh, in the OHL. And we had a local player who he had an eye on. He hadn't told this guy yet. He hadn't told his goalie. He said, but he's talking to me, and he's talking to Jordan, and he's talking to some of the other goalies. He's like, I think this kid's good. Like, yeah. I think we're going to, I think we might take him in the Bantam draft. He's good. But for the rest of that week, the kid showed up late. Oof. And this, <laughs> is a, this is a camp where you get dropped off at eight in the morning and picked up at five. You're there all day. So how, do you, how are you late on the ice, right? And that's what this, this guy wanted to know. And there were times when we'd be doing drills, and instead of doing drills, this kid was off fixing his gear. And it wasn't just once. It wasn't twice. It was a few times where you're like, all right, that kid's blowing off drills. Yeah. And when he when Elliot left the market, they didn't pick that kid in the draft, and that kid has stayed here. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that kid ever knows. So that's just one of the things. yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Everything's fun, but you never know who's looking.
1: You don't. You don't. You really don't. I mean, I had no idea when I was being scouted or not. I, as motivation, I I tell myself I was being scouted every practice, every game. I'd look around and I'd say, tell myself, oh, there are three three scouts here in the stands tonight because. I better work hard. I better work hard at practice. Maybe there's somebody here. Yeah, uh, I enjoy it. That was motivation for me because I really wanted to try to get to the next level. Um, but it's the little things you do. I mean, some, that's, sometimes that's just not the that's just the way the kid was raised, too. He just yeah. doesn't know better. But I don't know. To me, it seems like common sense. You show up on time. You respect your coaches. You respect your teammates. And you work hard. And good things will happen if you work hard and are focused.
2: Wow. Well, that's great advice. So, uh, how do people get a hold? Like, are you coaching still? Can people learn from you? Uh,
1: uh, so, I, I was approached many times over the last number of years to do private lessons, but um, kind of steered clear of that. Uh, I felt uh, uh, enough coaching as a part-time job was done for me in the organization, in the Junior Grizzlies organization. Uh, I took this year off. I don't know if I'll go back to coaching. Um, It's, it's, it can be challenging when you you don't have a dog in the fight. I got my start coaching because my son was a goaltender. So, and then I stayed with it for years after felt like I was really giving back to the, to the sport and Utah hockey and it felt good. Um, but I've really enjoyed my time away from the, the the rink as well this winter. So I don't know if I'll go back into, into coaching. Um, I don't have the answer to that currently. I'm not looking to do private lessons at this Mm -hmm. time or get into an organization but
2: I didn't um, mean to put you on the spot I just no, that's
1: fine I may get the bug again I don't I don't know
2: well, that's great um, right I mean,
1: now no I, I just will go out and I'll, I'll spend some time with my son Hank on the ice and work him over and uh he's a he's by far my my best student that I've ever had how uh, do you uh, very how, lucky
2: how did you learn to coach the new style of goaltending because it's nothing like what it was <laughs> when you played like did
1: you watch that's video
2: hard. or no it's hard
1: the first time I came out and tried to try to coach, I because you play as you know, yeah. and, you, and you just do right, and you don't think about it too much. I went out there. I'm like, oh my heck, where where do I start? Yeah, I mean, how do I even know how what this kid is capable of, and where do I start? And you just have to to step kind of out of body and think about okay, where do you start? What what are the basic 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 fundamentals? Um, start with, uh, your stance and stick on the ice. And, um, the more you watch the game, the more you think about the game, if you're not a player as a coach from a coaching perspective. So I had to really teach myself how to coach and, and what to teach. Um, and, uh, my game evolved a little bit personally when I was playing. Um, I learned how to play new style, what they're doing now more. So I feel like I've learned to coach it fairly well.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And I also that's can't it. thank you enough for everything that you've uh, done for the market. Like whether you know it or not, you set a whole generation of uh, of hockey players, not just goalies, but yeah. you the hockey players on the right path. I mean, you were, you were a trailblazer back in the day and your work ethic showed everybody else that it could be done. So we, uh, we appreciate everything you've done.
1: Well, that's nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: Okay. Well, uh, I want to have you back on. Uh, in a, like a month or so I want to talk to Hank and I want to know what's going on with Hank and uh, yeah. we got to introduce him to Jordan and make some phone calls and start <laughs> seeing where he's going to play next year and see if we can't get you some, <laughs> some influence
1: yeah he's got a few things lined up he's a, good, he's a good player and he's focused and he's a hard worker he'll have success
2: yeah I played with him the other day he's, he's phenomenal and I'm excited yeah. to, Thank I'm you. excited to see what comes next from him
1: yep me too
2: okay well that is the Utah Poker Report remember go to Jersey Mike's